0: prove that you are who you say you are that grace can really change your heart do I live like your love is true people pass and even if they don't know my name is there evidence that I've been changed when they see the glory of the King, I want to live like that, and give it all I have, so that everything I say and do, points to you. that somebody in the family can sing like that. Thank you all for that special. Thank you for the music this morning. Hadn't worship been wonderful? Um, as we get started this morning, I wanted to give you this word, undone. This is a word that has bum-fuzzled me for weeks. Uh, a matter of fact, you can ask Mister Denise... I'm sure she almost had a heart attack when I sent her my message last Sunday for this week. Uh, I've never been that early in my life. Um, but I've been studying this, this concept of being undone, and, and it's just led me to this message. And I hope that this morning as we leave here, we can be undone before a mighty God. So let's stand as we read Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for allowing us to come out this morning and study a portion of Your Word. Dear Lord, help us to take it to heart. Help us... To leave here this morning, not the same way we entered into these doors, but changed, dear Lord. Dear Lord, help us to humble ourselves before You and become undone. In Your name I pray, Amen. I want us to look this morning at the problem, the trouble that's going on here in Isaiah's life. Uh, In verse 1, we read that King Uzziah died. That's pretty significant. That's a pretty big deal. You see, King Uzziah wasn't just one of those kings that steps in and takes over for a little bit and dies. He'd been ruling for fifty-two years. He'd been ruling for a long time, and I and I think that Isaiah had in his heart this this soft spot. This this was his king. This was the only king, king uh this was the only king that Isaiah knew. Uh, if you look back in Isaiah 1, it lists the kings who Isaiah was a prophet under these kings. And Uzziah was the very first one. And he was a good king up until he made one mistake. I'm going to say that. And we're going to look at that real quick. In Second Chronicles, it kind of explains the life of King Uzziah starting in chapter 26. We're going to read verses 3-7. through Listen to this. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Je- Jecoli of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the walls of Gath and the wall of Jab- Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines." And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians and that Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and Mehumins. Listen, he was an awesome king. He did a lot of good things. He, he, God favored him that when he went to war, they not only conquered these places, but they put big cities on top of these places. That's the kind of king he was. He was a very prosperous king. And he had a mess up. Look at verse 16. It says, but when he was strong. Okay, that word strong there conveys the message of when he was built up. When he had done many great things. He was pretty much prideful in this instance. His heart was lifted up to his destruction. What's the old saying go? Pride comes before the fall. That's exactly where he's at right now. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Just very shortly, King Uzziah did something that wasn't his job. He he went into the temple and God said, no, only priests can go in there and offer these offerings. And he tried to do it himself. He tried to become something more than he was. But King Uzziah, all in all, up until this one hiccup, was a pretty good guy. And in the eyes of Isaiah, I believe it was devastating to hear that the king had died. Not only was the king dead, but hey, there's some more trouble going on here. If you skip back a chapter in Isaiah 5, you see in Isaiah 5, these woes, like, stop, you're doing something wrong. Whoa, 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 you know. And over and over again we see these, and I want to run through these at verses 11 through 13. It says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the viol and the haberd and the pipe and the wine are in their feast. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operations of His hands. These people were drunkards. He says, woe unto you. Verse 20, woe unto them that call evil good. Hey, kind of relate to that in our country today, can't we? I mean, that's just right there in the forefront of what we're seeing today in America verse twenty one woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight they they seek wisdom, but it's not the wisdom of God, it's the wisdom of this world. and then after the woes we see this in verse twenty six through thirty, and he and he will lift up and ensign to the nations from afar. Well, yep, I'm right and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth, and behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them, none shall slumber nor sleep, neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken, whose arrows are sharp, and all their bows bent. Their horses' hoofs shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind. Their roaring shall be like a lion... They shall roar like young lions. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safe and none shall deliver it. And in that day there shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one look unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. Listen here. In in my terminology, God's fixing to bring the rain. He's finna to make it rain judgment on Israel. And because of the things they've got, the problems that they've got in the midst of their world, they're very troubled. I tell you, as I read through this passage, I couldn't help but finding myself relating to what's going on here in Isaiah. The world I live in is 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 crooked to a point. We uh, we have laws. We have things going on in effect that that are not wrong. They call they calling rights that are not right. <laughs> They're very wrong. What what once moments ago Judah seemed to be a prosperous nation. God is predicting that shortly they will come to their destruction. I look around our country and I see these rights that aren't right at all being given out and I think, when is our destruction coming? I, for one, am troubled. I can look around... Us right here this morning and see many of you that are probably troubled as well. But let's look at the rest of Isaiah's vision. You see, in his vision, let's go back to chapter 6 and look at verse 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here in the middle of Isaiah's trouble, he gets the vision he needs. What do you mean by that, Trey? He sees that the king is dead. King Uzziah is dead. And his his country is under attack. And here he gets a vision that the king of kings is not dead. He is on his throne. In the middle of our trouble, that's what we need to remember, that the king of kings is not dead. He's on his throne. He is high and lifted up. And that doesn't mean that he's just above other kings. That means he's above principalities. He's above powers. He's above forces of nature. That's my God and he's on his throne, ruling and reigning. That's something powerful. When king... Uzziah had died. You can see a hope of a nation despairing, but here is a vision from God to bring back that hope that God is still on his throne. And no matter the chaos that consumes our world, and no matter the difficulties we face, he is still there. You know, I refer to this song often, but it's one of my favorite songs. Uh, A lady named J.J. Heller wrote this song. It says, When my world is shaking, heaven stands. When my heart is breaking, I never leave your hands. How about that? That's the kind of God we serve. That when everything in this world is chaotic and it's shaking and we don't know the answer, heaven stands. Undefeated, undenied, God is in control. These angels, the seraphim, they they blow my mind. Uh, and just put it this way: there's so much here that I couldn't cover it all in one message. But let me tell you a couple of things about these seraphim. They had six wings apiece, and one author said. They had six wings. Four to reverence God and two to serve Him. That's pretty interesting. Because when we get God in the right perspective, when we reverence God the way we ought to, our service will work. And they take twice as much of their power, their wings, to reverence themselves before God than to serve Him. That's an awesome lesson. Could preach a whole other message, but we're not going to go there. I just see so many things in these seraphims. One is they they cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Think about this for a minute. Uh, Have you ever met a friend before and you thought, man, that guy is so cool. And And you go around with that guy and... And he is so cool. He he is just awesome. He does this and he does that. And then the more you hang out with him, you're like, "Ah, oh, he's, you know, yeah, he's my friend." I think about these angels. They've been flying around God for thousands of years at this point. And yet the only thing they have to say about God is, "Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with your glory." That's all they could say about him. That's who he was. That's how magnificent, how mighty, how powerful he is. That—that's the only thing they could say about him. What if that was the message that ringed across our lips? Holy, holy, holy is he. He is in control of my life. He's in control of your life. He's in control of of the world we stand in. The result of this vision leads Isaiah to say these words, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King. Undone. I'm going to just give you what I've got. This morning, I, 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 I hope that you get this. Merriam-Webster defines this word undone and one of the several definitions is defeated or destroyed. I think that's how Isaiah felt. In the midst of God, in his holiness, his righteousness, he had no way of comparing to that, and he felt defeated or destroyed. But to get a clearer picture of this, let's let's look elsewhere in the Bible. John, for instance, got a vision of God and Jesus. In Revelation 1.17 it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, defeated or destroyed. That's how John felt that in the presence of the Lord Himself, he felt defeated or destroyed, he fell as if he were dead. You can look over in Job, another interesting occurrence here. In Job 42 and verse 5, he says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Go to the next one. Wherefore, I abhor myself. I hate myself. I abhor myself. I despise myself because I am defeated and destroyed in the presence of God's holiness another interesting one is in daniel 10:8 therefore i was left alone and saw the great vision and there remained no strength in me he became weak defeated or destroyed for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and i retained no strength another interesting event is when paul started describing his conversion in Philippians 3.7, he says, but what things were gained to me, I counted as loss for Christ. In the presence of God, I don't matter. I've really been praying over the last few weeks that God would show me what undone is. And God has a funny way of working. The Thursday night before I pinned this message, uh, I was up at 3 a.m. in the morning, sick as a dog. I felt, well, there's the strength part. Yesterday, I got an example, and I'm about to share with you of what I think undone is. This morning, I get up here on stage and barely have a voice. And. Mr. Denise comes to me and says, hey, the air ain't working up on the stage. Thank You, Lord. You're teaching me. I understand. I got it. Come on, breeze. But this... Let's go to that picture. Let me explain it this way. If I gave you a gift, all wrapped, nice and pretty, and I said, here's a gift, but you can never open it. You can never open this gift. Would that be of any use to you? Not at all. But yet, a lot of us go to God this same way. We go to Him and say, Here I am, dressed in my Sunday khakis. We're no use to God because He's not matter. He doesn't care what's on this outside, He cares what's on the inside. That's what He can use. And before we come undone, before we take off the layers, before we say, God, take away my pride, take away my sin, take away whatever it is in this life, then He can't use us the way He wants to. That's what Isaiah was doing when he came to the Lord and said, I am undone. What does he do? He immediately goes and starts talking about his sin. Lord, I'm a man of lying lips. And I live in a land of lying lips. Everybody around me is lying lips. He sees this vision of how mighty God is and how awesome He is and it just makes Him come undone before God. One of the New Testament writers talks about being broken Before God, and I think those are synonymous with being undone before God. There are many of us here this morning that want to be used of God the way He wants to use us, but we're holding in that secret sin. We think nobody in the world knows about this issue and it can't affect me. Well, it's affecting you. Because God's not using you the way He wants to. He wants you to become undone before Him, to come before Him and just let all of that go so that He has your heart and uses you the way that He wants to use you. If you look now in verses 5-8, through we see the response that comes from this. Then said, I woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Then look here at verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. See, Isaiah, he realized who the true king was. What does he say at the end of verse 5? The king, the Lord of hosts. This is the king that not only able to rule and reign, but he was also a king that was able to forgive the sins of man. The angel brought this coal off the altar, and let me tell you, there's so many things that we could go into and we could talk about, about this coal and the altar that he took it from. But let me, let me just back up and make this very simple. In the temple of Old Testament times, the altar was a part and a figure of the forthcoming sacrifice that Jesus would do on the cross. That's what it ultimately represents. In Hebrews 9, I think we have an explanation of what's going on here way better than Trey Emery can explain it. We'll look at the Scriptures. In Hebrews 9, verse 9, it says, "...which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make Him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience." which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinance imposed of them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but... His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Christ is our sacrifice. And when we come undone before Him, When we we open ourselves up to Him getting a hold of our lives, and He may shake it up some. He may put us in positions that, that we don't really like. But if you remember, Paul was in a position he really didn't like. Remember that? He talked about a thorn in the flesh. And he said, even in the midst of that, God's grace was sufficient for me. And that's the same place Isaiah is this morning. He's undone before God. He's opening himself up and showing his sin, the sin of his country. And he's begging for forgiveness from God. And what does he do? He gives it to him. Until we become undone before God and allow Him to work through us, we're not able to answer his call. What happens? Isaiah, now that he'd become undone before God, now that his sins are forgiven, he hears the call of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And he answers it, Send me. But let me tell you, that send me is not send Isaiah. That send me is send the man that you've redeemed. Send the man whose heart is yours. Send me, not in my own strength, but in your strength. God's ready to use people that see their worth is in Him alone. And then and only then, is he ready and willing to put you to work? If you remember, we spoke just a second ago about Paul. I want to take you to a passage in First Corinthians. Sorry, Second Corinthians, chapter twelve and verse nine. Here's where God tells. Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Did y'all get that? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. One preacher said it this way. Maybe the person next to you doesn't need God in every area, but you need God in every area. Praise God. Did you get that? When we're open to having God in every area of our lives, then we can praise God. Then we can serve Him the way that He wants us to serve Him. But if we're holding back, if we're not letting God into every circumstance into our lives, We're not ready to serve Him like the Apostle Paul. We're not ready to serve Him like Isaiah. We're not ready to serve Him at all. We need to become undone before God. Not for our glory. If you notice, Paul says, I rejoice in my weaknesses. Why in his weaknesses? Because it's in those that He's made strong. I boast in my infirmities and in my reproaches. Why? Because it's in those areas that God is working and it's evident. And if we want to make God evident in the world we live in, we've got to allow God to work in our lives personally. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation. I want to ask you this morning, are you undone? Have you allowed God to work in your life? Do you even have a relationship with God? You see, that takes humility too, realizing that there's no way you can get to heaven without His Son, Jesus Christ. But as for me this morning and probably many others here, there's areas of my life that a lot of times I'm not willing to give over to God. But it's time for Promised Land Church to come before God undone and let Him use us.